pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. Episode 16 of Inside Atlanta Football. I'm sports editor Matt Daniels of the News Gazette. Pleased to be joined by beat writer Colin Likas on a chilly yet sunny Wednesday afternoon here in Champaign. Colin, how are you? Doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm I'm great. Good. Spring game ended. Illinois won. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> There's no way they could lose the game. I guess they could have tied. Tied. Monday night's uh, inter-squad scrimmage. Fans were back in the stands at Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. Brandon Peters looked like the second coming of Kurt Kittner. And all is right in Illinois football land right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of positives to take away from that game. I think the the biggest one overall is just that uh, Illinois football was able to do something good for its fans. An, an early uh, shot of goodwill from the Brett Bielma staff. Bringing in, uh, bringing in fans, as as you said, I, I don't know how many exactly there were. the The box score we got at the end of the game still listed the attendance as zero. I think that's probably going to take a while to to get used to changing that back. But uh, I know Bielema in his post game presser said he estimated eight thousand fans. Um, I'm sure somebody gave him that number, so mm-hmm. I, I would tend to believe he's probably close to it. Um, a lot of them left at halftime, uh, honestly. <laughs> uh, part of that was because they probably had seen all they needed to. It was already a, a runaway in favor mm-hmm. of the Orange team. Part of that was because it was getting colder and windier <laughs> as the night went on. Eventually, by the time, like right after the game ended, it started raining and possibly snowing. It was mm-hmm. kind of hard to tell from inside the press box. And then a third part of that might have been because they got to see the Illinois men's basketball team on the field, and after that they were like, well... Uh, this has been a good day. Let's go home now. Let's just end it on a high note, just in case anything bad happens in the second half of the football game, I guess. Yeah, the, the Orange team ended up winning Monday night's spring game 65-15. Not uh, a score you're going to see in a regular football game ever, I would yeah, imagine. Not usually, Illinois fans have seen some lopsided That's just losses. a weird score. Yeah, that is true. Um, but the Orange team was made up of, uh, of the starters. Brandon Peters was the quarterback of the Orange team early yep. on and, and really played well, uh, especially in the first quarter, helping them get out to a big lead. And then, uh, like you said, at halftime, the Illinois men's basketball team, a banner was unfurled, yes. uh, I think, on the north end zone of Zupke Field there, Yep, uh, commemorating their Big Ten tournament championship win. Uh, they were recognized at halftime. Brad Underwood, I would assume, who spoke to the crowd on hand. Good to see them uh, publicly recognized with other people besides themselves for their mm-hmm. accomplishments yep. uh, this past basketball season. And then uh, Illinois had a two-hour window to be <laughs> televised in this made-for-TV right. event on, on BTN, and they fit snugly into that two-hour window, although I remember looking up, sitting here in the office on Monday night, um, and then saw that the first quarter was still going on. It was like 7.35, 7.40. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is going to be... Cutting it close, but uh, they figured out a way to get it done and get it in, and uh, 
good chance for the the spotlight to shine brightly on on Illinois football on Monday night. Yeah, they got creative uh, in the second half. Uh, twelve minute, clock twelve minute running clock in the third quarter, eight minute running clock in the fourth quarter. Really had to, really had to uh, hurry the game along. I think the uh, the field goal contests in between each of the the first and the second quarters and the third and the fourth quarters probably didn't help with the with the timing. Mm-hmm. Although it at least gave the blue team some points, which was a good thing because otherwise <laughs> they would not have scored any points. So Caleb Griffin, good job scoring fifteen points for the blue team. <laughs> Um, uh, fun moments though, overall, I mean, like you said, squeezing into a window. I, I, I haven't listened to the broadcast. It sounds like, uh, Jay Lehman and Lisa, I can never say her last Byington. name, right? Thank you. Byington, uh, did a great job from, from all accounts. And, uh, Brett Bielma got some fun in by having Elise Meneker, uh, throw a two point conversion pass to Daniel Barker, uh, in the second half. Lise Meneker, a former pitcher at Cornell. So. Former WAND sports reporter over yep. in Decatur as well. Yep, so there you go. That was a, Local ties. That's a fun moment as well. We were all a little confused in the press box initially trying to figure out who that was on the field uh, in a 44 jersey. I think it was 44. Um, throwing a pass. <laughs> we, were, we were all like, well, who, who is this person? We're not really sure. But then we got it figured out for us, which was good. Well, yeah, I think, and I think one of the big takeaways too, and I heard from some fans on on Monday night, um, was just the the level of access that, mm-hmm. that Bielema seemed to to grant during the, mm-hmm. the two hour broadcast on BTN, and, and the plethora of interviews that were done, not only with Bielema but his players, but also just like you said that that kind of fun moment where uh, a TV reporter throws a, a touchdown pass. I don't know if you would have seen that in previous ten years no. at, at Illinois, but I think that not really. Recently. Exactly. I think that kind of gave Illinois fans um, just something to something to enjoy right. uh, and and take take pride in and seeing their football program have some fun and and just kind of getting to know the the people uh, you know behind the helmets and things like that. So I think that's that's good optics for yes. Illinois football and glad to see what uh, what they did on Monday night. Yeah. If nothing else. A good takeaway from Brett Bielema's tenure so far has been he and the staff he's put around himself uh, understand the meaning of optics and understand how to make that work in favor of their athletes. Um, I know one thing that we talked about in the postgame press conference after the spring game uh, was the athletes and some of the assistant coaches uh, hopping on Twitter uh, Mm -hmm. before the game and even after the game to basically say, you know, we're excited to see you fans out to Memorial Stadium, those of you who can actually make it out there anyway. Uh, excited to have you out. Everybody tune in. Mm-hmm. Going to be great. And then, and then saying thank you after the game. Uh, they're certainly trying to make sure that um, it's not like the football team is just some you know independent random group of people who you have no connection to as a fan. They're mm-hmm. doing a good job of making sure the fans feel a sense of kind of buy-in to this new program. Uh, which I'm, I'm not saying past teams didn't do, but obviously there's a bit of a disconnect there when the team starts to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And as a fan, you're like, oh, I don't really want to be associated with this constant losing. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe the coach pushes pushes away a little bit as Lovey Smith kind of gave off that vibe sometimes. But, uh, yeah, Brett Bielema, you know, win or lose, the optics are going to be good at least early on. So that's a good first sign. Yeah, they haven't lost the game yet. So exactly. we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see how that might all unfold if, if losses start to pile up. Uh, but all in all, right now, I, I think Brett Bielema is still in in the honeymoon phase here at Illinois and, right. and will continue to do so at least for the next few months, uh, like I said, until they potentially lose a game, uh, whenever that may be in, in the 2021 season. All right, our Bob Osmus and our columnist, veteran mm-hmm. uh, presence on the Illinois football beat, uh, wrote in Tuesday's News Gazette that it's over. Brandon Peters is starting quarterback 
Brad Bielema didn't <laughs> come out and say that. He certainly didn't. Didn't say that after Monday night. But all indications seem to point in the direction that when Illinois opens the season on August 28th against Nebraska, that you're going to see Brandon Peters under center for the first snap. And I wouldn't be surprised by that, certainly. I don't think Bob is out in left field making an assertion like that, uh, even though Bielema didn't say anything concrete, and he might not say anything concrete even when spring ball ends. Uh, when he has his wrap-up press conference sometime next week. We're going to hear from him again today. I'm guessing probably not much is going to have changed from Monday night to Wednesday afternoon as far as his feelings on the quarterback. I would be amazed if he comes out and says, oh, Brandon Peters is our starter now, well, less than 48 hours after he said we're not making any decisions yet because spring ball isn't over. Uh, but I don't think Bob is off base making that assertion. Uh, Peters played the entire first half on the orange side, obviously had a veteran offensive line protecting him. And he was clean the entire night. I mean, the quarterbacks weren't tackled, but he wasn't touched at all. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Williams could not say the same, leading the blue team in the first half. The offensive line, he was behind. No offense to those guys, but they were beat up by a veteran defensive mm-hmm. line on the other side. Which is a good sign. It's absolutely a good sign. Isaiah Williams did what he could to scramble away. There were times where I think he got touched or was close to getting touched, and he thought, man, he, he might have actually broken free of that. Continues to show his shiftiness as a quarterback and uh, that he brings a little bit of a different element than Brandon Peters, who... Uh, not not an oak tree. He, he had a one-yard touchdown run to actually open the scoring. So he's uh, he's he's mobile, but Isaiah Williams is a different kind of mobile. But Brandon Peters just impressed in so many ways. His his, uh, his passes were were on point. He had a few risky throws, I would say, but uh, was able to to squeeze them into some tight spaces, especially to guys like Donnie Navarro, who mm-hmm. was an obvious big play threat. He only had three catches, but they went for. 100 plus yards 32 yards the shortest pass he caught was 33 yards uh there was yards after catch there too it wasn't just peters airing it out there were some lengthy throws but donnie navarro was showing some uh, definite shiftiness getting away from opposing tackles so that's a really strong connection there and then i think the other connection we're talking about as you talk about the quarterback throwing the ball um, is obviously Luke Ford, who caught five passes. Not all of them were from Brandon Peters. Actually, the touchdown pass he caught was from Isaiah Williams, a nice teardrop throw that Ford hauled in with a one-handed catch on the run while managing to stay just inside the pylon. Um, that was a really nice play from him. But yeah, five receptions from Luke Ford, which more than doubles the total he had last season for Illinois. And Illinois fans, of course, took to Twitter to be very excited <laughs> about this. Uh, we're going to hear from Luke Ford today. We're going to hear from Daniel Barker today as well on Zoom. And those two obviously have tons of personality, so those should be some great Zoom calls. But I'm sure Luke Ford is very excited about his future moving forward, especially if Brandon Peters is named the starter, because those two seem to have a pretty obvious chemistry as far as uh, throwing and catching. Yeah, and you're going to write about Luke Ford in in Thursday's News Gazette, Colin, and um, also kind of highlight some some guys that didn't really play much in in 2020 for Illinois or even weren't on the Mm -hmm. roster for Illinois last season who kind of stood out on Monday night. But Luke Ford is... uh, He's an intriguing name to talk about because so much has been talked about oh, him, yeah. but the production just hasn't been there at no, times. And, and he was a much Bollywood recruit out mm-hmm. of Carterville High School down in southern Illinois. Didn't really play much his senior year at Carterville. Was, mm-hmm. was dogged with injuries there, but was still the top recruit in the state. Yep. Elected to go out of state. Uh, went to Georgia. Didn't really play much there in in 2018. Caught one pass. Decided to transfer to Illinois. Uh, Cited reasons for doing so was his uh, grandfather who was ill, who unfortunately passed away last year. 
Um, and then was hopeful he was going to play in the 2019 season mm-hmm. in Illinois. I know Rod Smith, the former offense coordinator, was hopeful as well. And then his waiver didn't get approved by the NCAA and all right. the wonderful transfer rules that were in place, which <laughs> now seem to be kind of gone by the wayside since you can... <laughs> seems to be opposite since, now. Yeah, since you can transfer one time without having to, to set out a season. And then uh, a lot was talked about, a lot was expected out of Luke Ford uh, going into the 2020 season. And I think he had, what, two catches? Two catches. Two mm-hmm. catches last season. Yep. Obviously a frustrating season for him on the field, but Brett Bielema uh, and his staff seem to have tapped into something that maybe other college coaching staffs haven't done with Luke Ford. And I know Brett Bielema has talked and raved about him uh, leading up to the spring game. And then Monday night he went out and showed why all mm-hmm. the hype has been bestowed upon him, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, and uh, the, the comment from Bielema when asked about Luke Ford, uh, I, I, I don't know if there's, there's a way to read too much into it like I might be, but he, he said well, something. It's our job. Yeah, of. well, he said something to the effect of um, he's concentrating on what's important now, concentrating on being a better football player. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like maybe that implies that Luke Ford's concentration was a little bit off because he wasn't getting you know all mm-hmm. of the reps he might have thought he was going to get uh, when he initially came here and he actually got on the field last season. I don't know if maybe there was a talk about mindset between Bielema and mm-hmm. Ben Miller, the tight ends coach, and um, and maybe even uh, Tony Peterson, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator. Uh, it's hard to say. We'll, we'll maybe talk to Luke about that. Maybe he'll open up a bit. He's never really been afraid to open up, but also hopefully he can tell us a little bit more about about that. But, yeah, just exciting to have another pass-catching option. Obviously, that's not all Luke Ford will be tasked with doing. If you're a tight end, you're going to mm-hmm. be blocking as well. That's something you got to be adept at. And he was on the field a lot last season doing just that. Just wasn't catching the ball a lot, wasn't being targeted a ton. Uh, maybe that changes moving forward. At least that's what it seems like. So, Yeah, and you've got a, a nice duo there with, with Ford and, and Daniel Barker. Uh, Barker's the leading returning pass catcher for mm-hmm. Illinois with uh, Josh Medtorbebe not coming back for the 2021 season. And um, for years it's been talked about here in Champaign about utilizing the tight end more. And, right. uh, I know they have in the past, way, way in the past, but not recently at all. Yeah, so, right. uh, and, and just with kind of the the question marks that still exist around the, the wide receiver group. Um, good to see the tight end get involved and Luke Ford have a night like he did on, on Monday night. Now, if come late August and early September, if Luke Ford goes a few games without catching the pass, I don't know what to make of that since he did right. show his capabilities on Monday night, but I think it just offers up another kind of tantalizing option for, for the Illinois offense to, to really uh, just kind of sh- show some different elements in the 2021 season. Uh, running backs wise, what do you? What was your big takeaway from Monday night when it comes to the running backs, Colin? Yeah, I would say uh, if Luke Ford doesn't catch a pass early, I'm part of the reason could be because the running backs are playing so well mm-hmm. uh, for Illinois, which is certainly a possibility. Uh, Chase Brown is still really good. I think he's the clear cut number one running back. Whether anyone wants to call him that or not, mm-hmm. I'm guessing Brett Bielema and his staff probably won't mm-hmm. use that designation, really. We can, um, though. But we will, <laughs> and I think it's fair to call Chase Brown the number one guy. I realize he was going up against second-string guys, mm-hmm. but, I mean, just the way he moves and the way that he mixes both a quickness and an ability to just bounce off opposing tackles mm-hmm. uh, is really impressive. I mean, usually you only get one or the other with a guy. It's very hard to – usually the guy's either really, really quick – 
but you know, at some point he's gonna, he's going to be brought down by that first or second tackle. Or you got a guy who's a bowling ball who doesn't move particularly quickly, but man, he can drag a couple of guys down the field. It's going to take that third or fourth tackle to get him down. It seems like Chase Brown might be able to do both of those things, which is really interesting because he's not a huge guy, mm-hmm. but he just uses his body really well. Obviously, he's more physical than I think his body would suggest. His body size would suggest. Yeah, and he uh, he talked to us after after the game on Monday, said he's being a lot more patient. Uh, he said the way this offense runs as opposed to the last offense under Rod Smith and Lovey Smith, he felt like he was always kind of hurrying to find the holes, that the offensive line was, was moving very, very quickly to try and make blocks, and as a result, Chase Brown was trying to move very, very quickly to find the, the resulting holes before they suddenly closed up. Uh, now he feels like the offensive line is moving at a more maybe comfortable pace Mm -hmm. and he is also moving at a more comfortable pace and therefore he's able to to see these holes open up a little more um not rapidly Mm -hmm. it's not like they're just like oh there it is oh (laughs) no it's gone now no he's able to pay give it a few seconds maybe a second it probably feels like a few seconds in his mind but maybe just a second assess the situation and then burst through an open hole that's the way he made it sound anyway that Mm -hmm. just patience and squaring up to to the opposition is kind of the biggest things he he mentioned how he used to be kind of working more side to side he would have his shoulder kind of Mm -hmm. pointed to his outside shoulder kind of pointed to um uh the opposition instead of squaring up and just going head on Mm -hmm. so those are the differences he pointed out um and obviously uh effectively ran the ball ended up with two touchdowns in the game uh chase hayden looked good as well uh the the touchdown run that he broke off he was spinning and and ducking and dodging all over the place looked pretty good there and uh reggie love i think had a really standout performance as well he had a touchdown also showed some good flashes uh we saw a little bit of that toward the tail end of last season especially when mike epstein was out for that one game mm-hmm. uh, and yeah illinois has got an interesting situation on its hand with, with its running backs especially if mike epstein does decide to come back to this team uh, he was not involved in the game uh la- on monday he was listed among the white jerseys which are the non-contact people the guys who were pretty much standing in for like kickoffs but they mm-hmm. didn't tackle or anything but he as far as i could tell he was not physically there was mike epstein i didn't, I didn't see his number on the okay. field anywhere so i don't think he was present i think he is still in florida probably taking classes uh so if he comes back that, that running back room is going to be really interesting because you could feasibly have four guys who could get starting reps mm-hmm. or at least meaningful reps during a game and i don't think jacari norwood is that far off i think he's a clear cut kind of on a different level at this point than those mm-hmm. other guys but i mean still three or four guys who you could conceivably trot out there as maybe a starting or number two running back that's a really good situation to be in what what do you think the dynamic would be like if epstein does return considering (laughs) he hasn't been around all spring and and the guys have and just that dynamic uh that would kind of permeate throughout the team obviously he's a a veteran and been with the program for quite some time but still Still waiting to see what decision he might make as the the season creeps closer, and I know the coaches have been asked about him as well this uh, this spring ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to make it a, a strange dynamic in the locker room. I mean, Jake Hansen kind of went through the same thing. Ultimately, I know he's been here mm-hmm. on campus, but he didn't participate in spring ball. Um, I mean, maybe it's a little awkward at first if he decides to come back, but ultimately, I mean, he's trying to figure out what's best for him. There's probably other 
factors at hand that we mm-hmm. don't know about, uh, things that we we can only assume mm-hmm. on. Obviously, his health is something he has to be worried about. So, I mean, if he does come back, I'm guessing the team will welcome him back with open arms. I think the bigger question is how does he get utilized among what is suddenly a really qu- uh, crowded running mm-hmm. back room over there with a bunch of guys, like I said, who you could feasibly give number one running back repetitions. All right, we've talked a lot about the offense, and, and rightfully so, uh, after the, the starters uh, basically put up more than 60 points in in, uh, in Monday night's spring game, but that also leads the question too, which has been a troubling trend at Illinois for quite some time, mm-hmm. uh, the defense. Uh, right. Is it – I know the, the offense scored all their points against the backups, and the like you said, the blue team struggled offensively with – the, the backup offensive line struggling to protect Isaiah Williams. Um, what was your big main takeaway, I guess, from from the defense on Monday night? I Colin? think the biggest takeaway you have to have from the defense is the defensive line slash outside linebackers. Um, I think ultimately, like I said before, the offensive line uh, for the blue team didn't really stand much of a chance of stopping uh, that defensive line or slowing them down, really. And I think the two guys who most stood out, or at least whose names seem to be getting called the most often, were Owen Carney Jr. and Isaiah Gay, who are both guys who have been on the defensive line and who have transitioned to that outside linebacker position where they are still on the line sometimes, but other times they drop back into coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen Carney was pretty much just unstoppable uh, getting around the edge during that game. Uh, I think he ended up with two, two-and-a-half tackles for loss, mm-hmm. ultimately. Just a really solid performance from him, and, and Owen Carney is a he's a funny guy, but not a guy of many words. So he didn't he didn't give off a, a ton in his post game Zoom call, uh, other than he was really excited to be out there and just perform again in front of fans. Um, but yeah, having having those two guys performing so well, just having those guys back as well, I think is huge for this defense. I'm not sure what shape uh, that defensive line slash outside linebackers room would be. And without those two guys here, Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay, uh, obviously Jamal Woods didn't play and Rod Perry didn't mm-hmm. play. And those guys, when they come back, will be important to the defensive line, of course. But even if Jamal Woods and Rod Perry played in that game and, you know, continue to play going forward, I, I think Illinois' defense looks a lot different for mm-hmm. the worse if you don't have Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay return. So it's definitely huge that those two guys are back in the fold. And I would look for them to make significant impacts this season, especially Owen Carney. All right. Well, the first Illinois spring game in quite some time is is in the books, and uh, spring ball's almost in the books. Colin, what's uh, what's on tap for the team uh, the rest of this week? Yeah, we don't have much left. Uh, Tuesday was an off day, a uh, rare off day. Besides besides mm-hmm. Sundays, they really haven't had any off days mm-hmm. uh, over there. But uh, I believe today is a non-pad. I think it's a helmets-only practice. They had to get one more of those in under NCAA guidelines in order to be on the up and up as far as the spring schedule goes. And then they're having one more practice in pads uh, here moving forward. And then that'll be that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting some more Zoom media availability. Like I said before, we get the tight ends and Brett Bielema today. Uh, getting a few more coaches down the line here, and Bielema's going to do his uh, spring ball Zoom wrap-up sometime next week. I would imagine it's probably Tuesday or Wednesday, probably Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's spoken on Wednesday pretty consistently during spring ball. So, yeah, not much left on the table. I mean, the big thing was obviously the spring game. Uh, they got through that, got some fans in the stadium. Uh, it seems like, for the most part, they were able to get out of that game pretty healthy. The only injury that really happened during the game that was noticeable was a uh, freshman defensive line lineman, Cedric, uh, Cedric, just goes by Ced, uh, Ced, mm-hmm. Cedarius uh, McConnell, <laughs> suffering an injury during the second half. He kind of limped off the field. 
Uh, but other than that, I don't think Illinois really suffered any significant injuries, and hopefully that is the case. I'm sure uh, Bielma will give us little hints of yeah. if that's true or not during his uh, Zoom call today. So, yeah, just about done here, and then the guys will go off for the summer. They'll get their individualized or position group-specific workout plans for things to do during the summer, and uh, then they'll come back here while it's still summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but technically they'll probably consider it like the fall because they're preparing for the fall season, and then it's all 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 steam ahead toward the Nebraska game on August 27th or 28th. Well, and uh, obviously we've talked a lot about the, the spring game, but, it, Colin, I'm sure you feel this way every time you pop on Twitter. It seems that Illinois football's getting the bat signal from, mm-hmm. from Brett Bielema. Right. Uh, picked up uh, what, two new commits uh, over the weekend, in-state commits, in, yeah. uh, in Hank Beatty, uh, a wide receiver, out of Rochester High School near Springfield, obviously a storied program there under under Derek Leonard, and they've sent a few Illinois players uh, here to Champaign or players to Champaign here in the past. Right, and then uh, Iroquois West just uh, just up the up I fifty seven in Gilman, up in Gilman. Uh, Clayton Leonard. Yep, Clayton. Yeah, his, okay. his his younger brother's name is Cannon, which is okay. an awesome name. That is an uh, awesome name. Yeah, uh, Clayton Leonard. Yes, Clayton Leonard, uh, lineman out of uh, Iroquois West. Both Beatty and Leonard are. Class of 22 recruits, so that adds to the haul for Brett Bielema now yeah. to five commits five. In, in the class of 2022. Yeah. And uh, what can you just fill us in quickly on, on sure. both those and, and just what they mean for the program? Yeah, know. actually, uh, three commits in three days. So if you go back to that Friday before, he also had Indiana offensive That's lineman right. Hunter Whiteneck uh, commit out of uh, New Prairie High School, which I'm actually familiar with. I used to run cross-country races over in New Prairie High School uh, when I when I lived in Indiana growing up. Um, crown point right here. Yeah. Colin um, so three offensive linemen in the class of 2022. Um, so obviously that position group's looking really good. I'm not surprised. Bart Miller, I mean, even if he's not been the primary – because uh, Illinois, or um, the, the way that Illinois recruits, you know, everybody has their specific regions in mm-hmm. state, and then people probably have their specific coaches have their specific regions out of state as well. I'm sure Burr Miller had a hand in all three of those offensive linemen joining, even if he wasn't like it wasn't his region that those guys were coming from. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I'm not surprised that the offensive lineman pool is growing for Illinois early because Bart Miller is is a master salesman. He's mm-hmm. he's been a really He's, he's been really impressive in the Zoom calls we've had with him. But, yeah, Hank Beatty, solid wide receiver uh, out of Rochester, as you said. Only a two-star by rivals, three-star by 247 Sports. But uh, has state championship uh, experience at Rochester, as pretty much anybody who's come through that program in the last 25 years can probably say. And then, um, uh, yeah, Clayton Leonard, as you mentioned, another two-star by rivals, three-star by 247 uh, had some other offers as well. Central Michigan was the first uh, Division One program, FBS program, to offer Clayton, but he ultimately on Sunday afternoon decided to stay in state. And then uh, the following Tuesday, just last night, Iroquois West got its first win of the season, so Clayton is having a pretty good three-day period as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's huge to see the offensive line picking up so much steam, um, and obviously Beatty coming in uh, to, to help bolster that receiver room is is solid as well with Donovan Leary, the quarterback, another guy in that uh, class of 2022. Yeah, we'll see uh, see how that moves the program forward at all. Obviously good to, to land some in-state recruits uh, in the 2022 class, especially after uh, previous seasons. In-state recruiting has kind of taken a hit for the Illini, so uh, curious to see how, how that moves the program forward all right colin you want to do our draft here at the end let's go for it all right we're gonna do we're gonna pick 10 the top 10 illinois football games that we're most looking forward to seeing in the 2021 season there's 12 games on the schedule i'll read you the schedule here really quickly uh we'll pick 10 of them 
So the opener, August 28th here in Champaign against Nebraska. Uh, September 4th at Memorial Stadium in Champaign against Texas San Antonio. September 11th at Virginia. September 18th, Big Ten home opener against Maryland. September 25th at Purdue. October 2nd, dipping back into non-conference play, Charlotte comes to Champaign. Uh, October 9th, that's the Bielma Bowl. Wisconsin <laughs> uh, ventures to Champaign. And then an off week. And then uh, October 23rd at Penn State. October 30th at home against Rutgers. November 6th at Minnesota, followed by another off week. And then ending the season with two more Big Ten games, November 20th at Iowa and November 27th here in Champaign against Northwestern. Our task now in front of us, Colin, is to pick the 10 games we're most looking forward to seeing uh, throughout the year. So that means two of the games on here we won't get picked. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, sorry, Charlotte, I don't think you're going to I think that's reasonable. Think you, I don't think you're going to make the cut. The other 11, I can think are up for, for debate. So, Colin... Uh, you get the first pick. Yeah. What game are you most looking forward to seeing now, especially with the spring game in the rearview mirror? Right. Yeah, and I, I will note that the uh, the football schedule on the Illinois website it did briefly say that Illinois was one and zero on the twenty twenty one season. <laughs> that has been taken down. Um, that, that no longer exists, which is probably a good right. thing. You take <laughs> for a program like Illinois that's tr- struggled <laughs> to win games over the last decade or so. You you take wins yeah. anywhere. You it can it get said it le- on Monday night. I know because I was looking <laughs> for the box score on Monday night, and I thought, oh, that's really funny. And then I moved on, but it's gone now. Um, my number one pick. I don't think is the it, it's not going to be the best game uh, that Illinois plays this year. If it is, that, that would be odd, I think. But the reason I'm looking forward to it is just because it's the, it's the start of a, a new era in theory. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go with the opener against Nebraska. Right. I'm curious to see what fan attendance is like, what mm-hmm. fans are allowed to do as far as coming to the game. Uh, if, if the vaccine is better distributed, if more fans are allowed, if mm-hmm. Illinois starts loosening up restrictions, I don't know. Um, but the excitement will be palpable surrounding this game. I think Illinois views it as a very winnable game, and they should because Nebraska is trending in pretty much the opposite direction of what Illinois seems to be trending right now. Nebraska is just really struggling as of late. This is a winnable game for Illinois, and I think the excitement should just be, it should really ratchet this game up to a different level, and I'm really excited to see what that looks like and how the fans respond to Brett Bielema's first team in a setting that isn't Illinois versus Illinois. Fair enough. Uh, uh, my number one pick, uh, I'm going to go with the Bielema Bowl. Yeah. I'm just going to start calling it that's that. Probably, that's if, probably the good see pick. See if it can, <laughs> can, can latch on here at all. October 9th here in Champaign, it's Wisconsin's first trip to Memorial Stadium since the uh, 2019 homecoming game mm-hmm. where James McCourt became a legend with his game-winning field goal to upset the then six-ranked Badgers. Uh, the storylines kind of write themselves for this. Uh, you'll we'll have plenty to write about <laughs> leading up yeah. to that game uh, with its Brett Bielema's first game going against his old school where he had immense success there for a uh, better part of his coaching career so far in college. So uh, for my number one pick, I'm going Illinois, Wisconsin, September ni- or October 9th uh, here in Champaign. And, and two, just the way the Illinois schedule works out, I guess I'm trying to be an optimistic glass half full mm-hmm. person right here. That could be um, a game with two teams that have a lot to play for uh, that yeah. part of the season. If 
Yeah, I understand you saying that because Nebraska's a winnable game. You would think UTSA is winnable. You mm-hmm. would think Virginia's winnable. You'd think Maryland's winnable. Mm-hmm. You'd think Purdue's winnable. You'd mm-hmm. think Charlotte's winnable. So. so what you're telling me, Colin, right now is that Brett Bielma is going to win the national coach sure. of the year and <laughs> Illinois is going to the Rose Bowl. What I'm telling you is the front half of Illinois' schedule next season is much cushier than the yes. back half of the schedule. Yes, <laughs> um, for sure. So, But for my second pick, I am going with the back half of the schedule because you talk about meaningful games. I mean, the Northwestern game is meaningful every year just because Illinois wants to win it, Northwestern wants to win it, but usually it has something to do with bowl, uh, being able to make it to a bowl game. The last time Illinois made it to a bowl, they had to win against Northwestern in order to guarantee their spot in. Um, So the November 27th game at home against Northwestern, Illinois is going to want some revenge for pretty much getting uh, beat down Mm -hmm. at Northwestern uh, last season. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. Uh, My second pick, uh, I'm going to go with a game the week before, uh, another place that Brett Bielema is very familiar Mm -hmm. with uh, over there in Iowa City. When Illinois travels to play at Iowa, uh, the teams have a history of animosity with each other that dates back to even, I think, before Lauren Tate arrived. There was a, an, an apple throwing incident, yeah, there wasn't there? there were some fights. There were some punches <laughs> thrown back in the day uh, before cell phones had cameras and on before, them. Before and, and when people were still bringing fruit to exactly, sporting events. Yeah. That was more in, like, the 50s. Um, <laughs> but more recent, too, um, Iowa kind of has had Illinois kind of in a vice grip mm-hmm. and hasn't really yeah. seemed to let go here recently and – um, the, the beat down the Hawkeyes put on Illinois in, in 2018, 63, nothing. And then 2019 season, Iowa ended kind of that, that month long win streak that Illinois had in a close game that had kind of a controversial ending over at Kinnick stadium. And then last year, Iowa just kind of had their way with Illinois here. And, and you know, obviously that was the game that Josh Whitman said was kind of the determining factor and, and moving on from Lovey Smith. So a lot of, uh, a lot of history between those two teams, um, Kinnick Stadium is always a great place to see a game as well. Um, right before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. cold weather probably should be an entertaining game, you'd hope, with a lot at stake yep. for, for both teams. So I'm going to go with the Iowa game for my second yep, pick. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, with my third pick, I'm going to go, again, second half of the schedule. Uh, I'm going to say the game at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good benchmark for Illinois because they ended last season at Penn State. Mm-hmm. It obviously went pretty horribly. Uh, besides Daniel Barker twerking, there really wasn't <laughs> anything to write home about for Illinois during that game. Everybody was talking more about Brett Bielema being in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so h- less than a year later, if you go back to the same place, and obviously the rosters aren't exactly the same, but they're going to be more similar than they would be in past years because of the super seniors deal. Mm-hmm. How does Illinois match up against Penn State? Do they still lose by 30 points or whatever? Do they lose by seven? Do they mm-hmm. win by a touchdown? I mean, that's a, I think that's a big ben- benchmark for Brett Bielema's program. Plus, they will be they should be rested because they have an extra week mm-hmm. coming into that game. So that should be a really interesting game for Illinois. Yeah, no, good uh, good point. Uh, my third pick, uh, I'm going to go out of the Big Ten schedule and uh, circle the, I guess, marquee non-conference game okay. for Illinois this year, and that's a trip to Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. On September 11th, um, Illinois and Virginia uh, have some history back in the day. They, they met in, in the Citrus Bowl uh, yeah. in 1990. Jeff George uh, led them to a win in, in that game. Uh, Virginia coming off a so-so season last year, but uh, arguably the toughest challenge, uh, on paper at least, uh, for Illinois' non-conference schedule, playing another team out of a Power Five. Mm-hmm. 
Virginia is scheduled to make the trip to Champaign next year as part of a two-year series between the programs. I remember when that game was announced like eight years ago, thinking it was a long ways away, and now we're here. And so now I we're feel, here. I feel really <laughs> old now. <laughs> Time flies. Uh, Bronco Mindenhall, though, has is, is really kind of turned around uh, the Virginia program. And also, too, it's kind of a um, – a, a corner, not a cornerstone game, but it's just a, it's a good gauge to mm-hmm. kind of see where Illinois football is at uh, early on in the Brett Bielema yeah. tenure. Just because the Nebraska game, I think it's probably a toss-up game, even though Illinois did beat the Cornhuskers last year. Uh, Nebraska's had their number here in Champaign. Texas San Antonio is one not to overlook. They did make it to a bowl game mm-hmm. last year, played Louisiana uh, close. I uh, can't remember exactly what bowl game that was, but uh, they, they had a winning record last year, and, and they're uh, that that's a game that only can't overlook uh, ahead of Virginia. So Illinois could be coming into that Virginia game with some, some momentum. Maybe they're two and zero, maybe they're one and one trying to get back on above 500 before big 10 play starts. So a lot to play for uh, down in Virginia too. And also too, there's kind of the, the pageantry and the, the historic nature of, of that game being the 20th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure will yep. uh, be a storyline to watch as well going in. So uh, yeah, that's my third pick is uh, the September 11th game down at Virginia for Illinois. Yeah, they played in UTSA played in the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl in Dallas, Texas there you go. the day there after you go. Christmas. So there, there you go. go. The more you know. Yep. Uh, my fourth pick, I am going to go with. I'm going to hop in a boat and go to Minnesota. <laughs> um, I think that's. Uh, I think that's the next kind of best game out of the ones that we have left here. Um, I don't really know what to make of Minnesota at this point. Uh, honestly, I mean, I, I feel like uh, some of these teams, like Nebraska, is clearly trending in the wrong direction. Northwestern seems to be trending in the right direction. Minnesota, I don't know what direction they're trending in necessarily. I'm just I circling in a. In a boat. <laughs> in a boat, yeah. They're just <laughs> rowing around in a circle, basically, which is fine, I guess. It's better than losing a lot. But, yeah, um, I mean, that'll be a big game. It should be anyway. It's your third-to-last game of the regular season. At that point, you are concretely talking, can we make a bowl or can't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be like a make-or-break, you know, bowl contender game. So I think that'll be a, that'll be a big date for Illinois. Plus, it's right before a break, another break in the calendar. Mm-hmm. So they should, you know play their hearts out in theory because you know you got that extra day off coming up afterward all right my fourth pick uh i'm gonna go the big 10 home opener september 18th maryland comes to champagne uh two obvious storylines are the return of mike loxley the former illinois offensive coordinator under ron zook who's now the maryland coach and also the return of ron zook to champagne (laughs) since he is now uh, an outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator with the terrapins so that'll be I know Bob Oswison will be all over that storyline leading leading up to that game. It's also Hall of Fame weekend scheduled here yeah. in, in Champaign. So hopefully, like we mentioned earlier, crowds can be a little bit bigger by that point. Um, also, too, just Maryland's a team that took it to Illinois uh, in 2018 out in College Park. Uh, the last game that Hardy Nickerson was the the defensive coordinator for the Illini. So some some recent history between the teams, and Maryland's a team you don't really see that much um, when the crossovers happen between uh, the Big Ten West and Big Ten East, so a chance to see them in Champaign. So that's uh, that's my fourth pick. One more pick, Kyle. One more pick. I've got, what, three games to pick from here? Yes. I got All right, well. You got, Char- <laughs> you got Texas San Antonio mm-hmm. on September 4th. Purdue on September 25th and Rutgers on October 3rd. Yes, though. and sorry, Charlotte, you're not making no, and and Charlotte. But <laughs> if yeah. you want to go, Charlotte, you can. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with Purdue on the 25th. Okay, you've always had a fondness for yeah, I, I do. Purdue I, Pete, I, I, yeah, his dead eyes. Yeah, 
Purdue Pete is one of the scariest mascots I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah, that uh, at Purdue, I mean, it's it's always a good atmosphere. Um, Ross Aid Stadium usually is a good atmosphere anyway. Even when Purdue's down, it's usually a pretty good place to play. Um, Illinois has had so, some success there recently. I feel like they're heading in a better direction than Purdue is right now, although you can't count on a Jeff Brom program. That should be a pretty competitive game, I would think. Um, especially with, with Charlotte coming up the following week, I feel like Illinois might be a little more inclined to kind of leave it all out there. Maybe they feel like they can get by Charlotte a little easier. They probably shouldn't assume anything, but I guess you could always have that feeling. And, and Purdue and Illinois just don't like each other. I mean, even if the two football programs aren't great, mm-hmm. it's still a classic rivalry, so I, I'll go with that. All right, my fifth and final pick. I was tempted to pick the Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio. The only thing I can think of knowing about UTSA is that Muhammad Product Christian Romine was there for a year. He was at Texas El Paso. Was he? UTEP? So. Yeah, versus UTEP. U- U- UTSA. Dang. Sorry. Wrong Texas. Larry Coker was the there first coach at UTSA, former Miami coach. So. All right, good connection. <laughs> trivia, trivia time. Um, <laughs> uh, and sorry, 49ers for Charlotte. I just... Nope, don't. It's a good name. It's just <laughs> weird, too, just having two Big Ten games and then a break back to non-conference. But uh, I'm going to go with the October 30th home game against Rutgers. It's Dad's Day weekend. Um, apparently, Rutgers has replaced uh, you know teams that Illinois used to consider rivals, like <laughs> Michigan and Ohio State, because, I don't know, it seems like every football season, Illinois and Rutgers are playing each other, uh, <laughs> which is... Which is another podcast entirely devoted. Yeah. I I I, th- I think I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure after the 2021 season they do not play each other for at least a few more seasons because literally I think they've played every year for the last six or seven years, which is just insane to, and, to and think what, about. What can you say you remember really about recent games against Rutgers? I mean, it's just uh, some bad football. Yeah, they're just they're just <laughs> games. They're just games. They're that close exist. games that uh, yeah. that Illinois fans I think going into each season kind of feel confident about that that's at least one big 10 uh, game that illinois can yeah. can win and compete in um greg shiano though back in charge of the scarlet knights they played uh, illinois close last year before james mccourt had the game winning field goal and uh, rutgers literally threw the game away with some key interceptions <laughs> um wasn't the greatest game last year in piscataway uh hopefully it's it's better uh, this year in champaign so fifth and final picks Got to go over the, uh, you know, one of the classic Big Ten matchups in, in Illinois Rutgers, and I say that with a heavy dose of, of sarcasm. Yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough <laughs> final pick to have. <laughs> Thank you, I, I appreciate you acknowledging. You that. could you could pick the uh, Big Ten championship game if you want. I mean, that, that is, is on, on the, the schedule. schedule. It's on the so schedule every year. Go Illinois. for that. Illinois never played in that game, so until they play in that game, I'm <laughs> not going to pick that game. <laughs> All right, Colin. Well, uh, thanks for all your contributions. You survived spring ball. Uh, we'll still be covering uh, the Illini moving forward mm-hmm. uh, in, in multiple ways leading up to the season opener. And um, we'll be back next Wednesday. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week, everyone.